Live the Bible, a Biblicist podcast. Thanks, guys, for joining us for another episode of Live uh, the Bible. Uh, today we have on uh, my good friend, Pastor Howard, uh, and we're going to be talking about misconceptions um, about the Old Testament, and we'll do our best with that today. Uh, but before we dive into that, um, for those that may not know you who are listening or watching this episode, um, could you just tell us a little bit about who you are, how long you've been a believer? Yeah, a little bit, I don't know, but I, I'll tell you about uh, <laughs> uh, I'm I have a history of being a pastor, so that just goes on and on and on. Um, I, um, I prayed to receive Christ. That's a phrase that we used to use a lot. Mm-hmm. Prayed to receive Christ when I was in junior church back in La Crescenta, First Baptist Church. Uh, I prayed with uh, um, Mrs. Nelson, uh, the Sunday school teacher, on the fire escape, which is kind of ironic, hmm. um, of the um, of the educational wing of the church, um, and I was, and it was my mother's birthday, so we went out for my mother's birthday afterwards, and I told them that I became a Christian. They, she was just elated. Um, I can't even tell you what year that was. It was uh, well over a hundred years ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, and I kind of grew up in the church. My mother was the secretary for the youth department. My dad sang in the choir. He sang in the quartet. Uh, very actively involved in that. We, I would never have thought of missing a Sunday. I would have been really, either really sick or in big trouble. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I, I grew up and I, I put on a church veneer which is sort of common for a lot of a lot of us who grew up in the church, I think. And it wasn't until I was in college, I was I got a job at uh, Hume Lake, which is a Christian campgrounds out in California. And I was going to be working the summer there, and I knew someone else who was going to Biola University and wanted to see if she needed a ride up there or whatever. And went and talked to her, and she asked me some very penetrating questions like, how are you doing in your Christian walk? Hmm. And I would say, well, I'm doing, I'm going to this church and I'm doing that. And, and she would, was kind of relentless. And she said, but, but how are you doing in your Christian walk? And I, it really cut me to the quick. Uh, I was in college. I went home. I was living at my parents' place and went home to my, was in my room and it was really burdened about, her questions and so I um, so I decided I wanted to feel like I did after being at summer camp mm-hmm. now, what do I do at summer camp well I did a lot of praying so I'm I'm down on my knees and I'm praying and I'm doing all the things that I did and I reviewed the story of of Christ and his crucifixion and his resurrection and and uh, one line kept returning to me, if I don't even know where I heard it, but um, the, the the line was. Now I got to remember what it was. I should have written it down. No, um, <laughs> the the line was: If you, Howard, were the only person in the world who ever chose to accept God's free gift, he still would have come. Hmm. And I think at that point, that moment was the first time I realized that 
crucifixion and resurrection was mine. Hmm. And I, that changed everything for me. Hmm. From then on, I was going to, I headed off, I was going to go to the mission field. I was going to be a full-time pastor. I was going to do, you know, for whatever needed to happen, I was going to do that. And, and from then on, I started working that direction, a lot of detours along the way. Uh, I was headed for the mission field in France until someone told me, Howard, if you go to France, you're going to have to speak French. And that kind of put a kibosh on the whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and a very wise man said, Howard, your, your, your ministry is going to be personality related. Um, and there is no guarantee at this point that you will be able to transport your personality into a new language. You're just starting off too old. I was in, in my mid-30s, and they said, no, you, know, you may get the language, but you're, it may not your personality. Right. So at that point, I started moving towards, the, uh, towards uh, a career and as, as a pastor. If I couldn't be a missionary on that side of the bridge, I'd be a missionary on this side yeah. of the bridge. And um, went to seminary. Um, opportunity came up to take the church. Um, this church, well, actually, I started off, I was an associate pastor out in California for um, several years. And then the opportunity came up to come here. And uh, I pastored in this building. Uh, in fact, that was my office right there um, <laughs> for, um, for 23 years. Uh, yeah. Almost a, almost a quarter century, and uh, and then and as as we were beginning to uh, lose members, ran into Joel, and uh, had a a great conversation with him, and uh, we were looking for someone. We wanted the gospel to be continue being proclaimed from this pulpit, from this church. So I went to the elders in that room. Uh, and uh, I said, uh, you know, guys, I think we need to talk to Joel. So we, we got together and, and talked and just had a great time. And it was obviously, uh, we had looked around at other churches, but we realized that we were this, this church, not only could we see the continuation of the gospel, but we could be part of this. Yeah. And so uh, we, uh, we decided to, to come here. And I, I was the pastor here for 23 years and uh, retired. Thanks for giving us context and and your your story. And, and honestly, that was probably really condensed. I'm sure you could have told <laughs> many other stories and aspects of even your spiritual journey. But that was a great great summary of that. Um, all right, so now it's time for to put you through the gauntlet. Oh, um, happy day! <laughs> when we dive into the Old Testament, things can get confusing really fast without. A whole lot of context, but, but we'll do our best with that. Um, so I'll start with the easy ones, if that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I could go to the end and that's... <laughs> I want to see how it is. Honestly, the last <laughs> question is probably the easiest question, to be honest. I, I have us kind of go full circle on that. Um, so the first question is this. Do Christians need to read or even care about what's in the Old Testament? And if so, why? Whoa, yeah. I uh, obviously I I believe they do. Yes. Uh, but I, I tell you, it is a task. It is a hard, arduous task. But we don't understand the New Testament unless we can lay it on top of 
what's already preceded it in the right. Old Testament. All of salvation comes to life, is born in the Old Testament. The fulfillment of the Old Testament is where Jesus enters the scene. Um, it is critical, and, and to me it is rich, and it is full, and it is vibrant, and exciting most of the time. <laughs> there are some passages that I, I wrestle with. Uh, right now, I'm going reading through the Bible, uh, my yearly trek through the Bible, and I'm at the book of Job. And I'm not a poetry person to begin with, mm -hmm. but the arguments there are just, they're not as concrete mm -hmm. as Kings and Samuel right. and Genesis. And it's not historical. It's flowery. Mm -hmm. It's and there are some beautiful passages, but when I'm reading it, I have to go. Now, who's talking? Is it one of these these three clowns that are are trying to encourage him? Because what they say isn't bad. It just starts with the wrong premise, right. and then come back to Job, and Job is very, and I, it's, it's it's great, but I just don't I don't get it that much. Um, and I went through, had a hard time at the beginning of the year when I was going through uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Some of, there's some story involved in that, but a lot of it is just worship services and right. days of uh, special days and, and dietary laws and what to do when I get a, a scab that's oozing. What? <laughs> what? That, that's, not only is it not easy to understand, it doesn't, it's not enjoyable to listen yeah. to. Uh, but, but all of those things, if you, know, you get someone who's, by the way, I'm, I am not that smart. <laughs> I, I kind of wrestle with a lot of things. You want to yeah. know whether the, about the, ask somebody who knows. Mm -hmm. I will tell you my opinion. Yes. But I, I don't know yeah. a lot of things. Well, anyway, I think, yes, it's absolutely yes. necessary. And I obviously agree with that. Yes, ultimately, it's very important. We need to read it, study it. I, for me, I, um, I mean, I tend to spend most of my time, as probably a lot of believers do, in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. um, and that being said, I've, I'm trying to change that somewhat in regards to having a, a better grip of the Old Testament, understanding of it. But a lot of times for me, as I'd, I'd be reading, I would get caught up in some of those things like, now what is that? Yeah. And I would just get stuck there. Yeah. And so I made a determination this year as I read through the Old Testament intentionally. It was like, okay, if there's something I'm just I, that I want to investigate later because it confused the junk out of me, I'll make a mark, mm -hmm. write it down, I'll go back to it and make that a separate thing I study on a different time to do that, which I do. I don't just forget about it. I do go back to those things. Good for you. But instead, I, I okay, I'm just going to read and I want to see the theology. I want to see the depth. I want to see who is God in the theology of the Old Testament. And when I read through that lens, it was. It's, this is probably the most powerful experience for oh. me reading through the Old Testament because... I would sometimes get so caught up in those technical things that I was missing the beauty in it. And, and I don't want to get off track here, but I do want to share this. And that is this. Like, for instance, what I noticed is because everyone talks about, obviously, God's chosen people Israel. But he was extending grace and mercy 
way beyond just Israel. Um, it wasn't just, all right, I, I'm going to share grace and, with these people, but nobody else. No, like he's extending grace out to all he's, he's, and he's using people for his glory that aren't part of Israel as well. And, and you see this happening over and over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you even have in the Psalms where David says, all the nations should praise his name. Mm -hmm. All, and he's, and, and it has extent to all the, all the earth. And so, um, anyway, so like, instead of looking and trying to understand every aspect of God's relationship with Israel, which is an important thing to study. Instead, I just looked for theology and who is God to mm -hmm. us? Who is mm -hmm. God to mankind and the earth? It's like, whoa, and you see, yes, his wrath and judgment is real and 100%, but his mercy is just as much impactful throughout mm -hmm. the Old Testament, mm -hmm. um, which I'm getting ahead. I have a kind of a question about that next. Okay. I'll lead right into that because this is what some people ask. Okay. And you've probably, I know you've heard this before. <laughs> is why does God seem so angry in the Old Testament? And, and, and this is, I've heard these arguments is, did God have a change of heart in the New Testament? Um, or the most extreme I've heard was, well, there's a God of the Old Testament, and then there's a different God in, in the New Testament. So what would you say in regards to someone who thinks that God just seems to be angry all the time in the Old Testament? I, I remember having, a, not an argument, I remember <laughs> having that question thrown in my face by my next door neighbor when I was living uh, in Huntington Beach and uh, she just could not understand a God being so wrathful as to slay. I, I, my, my initial response is it may have something to do with the fact that we really don't understand sin. Mm -hmm. um, sin, God, God can't have a party with sin and it's, it's terrible and people that are propagating encouraging and teaching sin um, aren't in concert with what God's doing. And in the, in the Old Testament, uh, he chose at, in some points to demonstrate his anger, his wrath, by eliminating people that were, you know, and if you looked at what the, what the, the population was doing, they were killing their own children yeah. and offering them as sacrifices and doing all kinds of awful, awful things. And God said, I, I can't, can't, can't abide. I got to, well, with the, the whole nation, the whole world was so decadent at one time. He wiped it out with the flood and, mm -hmm. and different times he would have armies come through and wipe out. When, when the Jews were encouraged to take over the land that God had promised, he had said, get, get rid of every, every person in that place because they're only going to create problem, sin problems in the future. So that's my condition. The, the Jews weren't able to do that. They didn't comply. Mm -hmm. But the reason, I, I think the, the reason, the holiness of God is something we've missed a great deal in our culture. Yeah. When we sin, it's oh okay, well he'll forgive me. Uh, it's it, and and he will. I mean that's right. that's true. But what sin is in God's perspective, in God's plan, is so heinous that it just needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And he dealt with it in the most severe and drastic way he could. Mm -hmm. We are we are caught in our sin through one man mm -hmm. sin entered the world and we're all susceptible to we're all sinners 
And yet God gave his only son to die to pay, to allow his righteousness to become our righteousness. And that's just an amazing thing. But I don't think, I don't think our culture, our New Testament, even our churches mm -hmm. today are fully aware of and have embraced the corrupt nature of sin in our, in our lives yeah. and in the world. And, uh, and, and I, it, you don't get that until you get to the Old Testament. Right. Anyway, that's all. Yeah, but I, I, all I want to add to that is, I mean, I was just, once again, reading in Psalms, and, and David is saying the only reason we're alive is because God is merciful. Mm -hmm. And the picture that he paints is that his mercy is, it's like looking up into the sky, into the heavens, that's how big his mercy is. And so I'm like, well, we'll probably never be able to fully explore the heavens. So he's saying God's mercy is, it's unexplorable. You can't find the depth of it. You can't find the extent of it. From our perspective, it seems infinite. Mm -hmm. And and he says that when he, when he, when he takes away our, our sin, like separating the east from the west, you can't measure how great his grace is. And so... From, their, from David's perspective of God in the Old Testament is we deserve his wrath. I don't know why we're still here. <laughs> like, and, and, and I'll add to that in the New Testament. Yes, we have a lot about love, grace, peace, and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But his wrath is talked about in the New Testament as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you have some crazy stories in the New Testament as well of his wrath. And I say crazy as from our Western culture yeah, perspective, right. like, whoa, he did what? You know, and so it's not exclusive to the Old Testament. Um, his wrath isn't exclusive to the Old Testament. His wrath is just as much present in the New Testament and vice versa. His mercy and love is mm -hmm. just as much prevalent in the Old Testament as is in the New Testament. We're just kind of picking and seeing what we want to see. That's a good point. You, you, when, you, when you say who God is, what's the nature of God, one of the things you've come, the Bible is very clear, God is love. And so when you read the Old Testament and you read all these stories, you've got to understand that what he's doing is an expression of his love, even though it looks to us as wicked, wicked, wicked. Right. It is, it is love. Yes. In his love, he wiped out nations. In his love, he brought a flood on the world to destroy the world. In yes. love. And it's just a hard concept. Yeah. The Western concept doesn't yeah. accept it. Right. I think it is interesting. I think other cultures accept that better yeah. than, than Western culture. Some people look at, look at God's master plan, if you will. Like, well, how could that work into the plan? If I was God, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Right, which is it's 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 making two assumptions. The first assumption is that um, you have more love than God does. That's your first assumption, and the second assumption is that you know more than God does. Mm -hmm. And the problem is you don't, and mm -hmm. we think we know how to manage the universe, um, and we can't hardly manage your bank accounts. Right. Is the argument that I've heard with that? Like you, like you don't even know how, how to balance your budget hardly, but you think you could you could manage the 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 universe. <laughs> and, and how are we doing in managing the world? Uh, <laughs> We're doing a fantastic. Yeah, and my response to that person would be, you know, I'm just really glad you're not God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, well, let's, those are two, honestly, probably more on the simple end questions. I, I guess I have one more um, simple question, but softball. it kind of helps. Okay. Yeah, another softball one. Because um, this is no offense to softball players. Um, <laughs> <laughs> love. It's a love. 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 Love shot. Um, is uh, not that kind of like wind up throw. <laughs> um, is once again, just to help clarify, is how would you define or explain the difference between the Old and the New Testament? Like, why is there a div division? Why do we have an Old and a New? Yeah, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Uh, one, I think the Old Covenant is basically designed to demonstrate the need mm -hmm. for the New Testament. Mm -hmm. um, God said, here's, here's my law. This is the, how to live. Go to it. <laughs> and we just see people falling over one mm -hmm. after another and, and demonstrate that you, you can't mm -hmm. do it. Um, I, um, I have an opportunity to pray for a, a, a group of men that get together, a group of men and women uh, that are, it's a charitable organization, they're trying to do good, but they've allowed me, they've asked me to pray. And I keep telling them, we have this, we have the creed that we want to live by. But to be real honest, there's no way we can. We are powerless to do the things that are good and right and proper in this world unless God empowers, God supplies, and he does if we let him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I just think it, it, we need to see, we, we need to understand that it just doesn't work until... In fact, all the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament were only a, 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 a foot in the door until the real sacrifice came. Mm -hmm. uh, until Jesus comes and sac makes that sacrifice and sends his Holy Spirit to continually work and to, to cleanse us, um, there's, there's, there's no way to do that. And, and, I, and I, don't, I, think, I think we as, as human beings needed to see that. Mm -hmm. um, I know the, the prophets of the Old Testament longed to see yes. what they were talking about. Yeah. And they had no idea, no, no clue, until Christ came and yeah. did what he did. And so I, I, I think the Old Testament is important to, for that purpose, to see. Yes. And the difference is you can't make it by the law, the law, the law, the law. That's what the Old Testament is all about. Yep. In Philippians chapter 2, mm -hmm. um, Paul failed miserably at the task of trying to accomplish what the law said until he stumbled, well, actually fell, thrown down actually, uh, on on, uh, on his way to Damascus over Christ mm -hmm. and uh, and realize that, yeah, no, no, it's not going to make it. There's got to be another way. Oh, somebody already did. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that's, I think, I think that's the whole point. The difference between the two, I think, is this is what is required, but you can't do it. Here's a solution, and it's not you, it's someone else. Yes. And I think that's how yeah. the two absolutely coincide. No, I mean, spot on. I would I would agree with that. Um, you know, the, the law points us to Christ. Mm -hmm. That's that's yeah. that's what it does. Old Testament looks forward. New Testament looks back. Yes, and, and that ties right into understand the importance of why we would read and, and study and try to understand the Old Testament. Absolutely, is because the New Testament is the answer. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, it'd be like seeing the 
you know, the answers to a quiz without knowing the questions and like, oh, yeah, we can figure this out. <laughs> like it just brings that clarity and understanding yeah, yeah. of what you're looking at. Um, not that I'm encouraging anyone to look ahead at answers on a quiz. <laughs> Maybe that was important. Well, you, you can look forward to the answers in, in this quiz. Yes, but, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, so the next couple of questions are maybe more difficult ones okay oh, or at good. least appear to be more difficult ones <clears throat> and that's is, and i can still say i don't know yes okay yep you can still say i don't know um so god gave israel and correct me if i'm wrong over 600 ordinances in the law everybody has a difference in an exact number or how many and but that's a long time ago he gave a whole bunch of rules yeah a bunch of <laughs> rules right um so some people are asking, are Christians supposed to keep those ordinances? Okay. Um, are, they, are they not applicable at all? Or are there some that we're supposed to keep? There's some confusion in regards to, yes, Christ has fulfilled the law, you know, but what about all these ordinances? Some of them seem to deal with moral issues like, like adultery. Some of them are, you know, how to clean the situation <laughs> you mentioned earlier. Yes. Yeah, well, that's a good question. I, I, I think uh, a lot is uh, a cultural context. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even the, even the Ten Commandments, let's just boil it down to mm -hmm. the Ten. Um, you know, the Sabbath day, keep it holy. I don't know that we are intended to be as specific as they were in the Old Testament. That was supposed to be one of their ritual days and right. they had rules and plans and it, it, it's talked about in Galatians that, yes. that uh, uh, the, the first four deal with, with our relationship with God. Does that change? The only one there that would be questionable as to its application would be uh, the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But I think there is a pattern of life that God intends us to have. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be able to recharge once, once a, a uh, once once every seven days right. uh, there's a pattern of seven uh, we have a sabbatical year we have that we let the the, the fields just sit right and th there seems to be that mentality now is that is that a, a law that we should be I think it's a principle we should be looking at right. uh, should we keep his name holy yeah I think so uh, is there to be only one God? I, yeah, I think so. The, the, that's the first four have to do with, with God. The second one have to do with our horizontal relationships with man and man. Right. Is it, should we be, and I, I'm, I'm betting most of those you could find equivalents in the New Testament to. Do we murder? Right. No, we shouldn't murder. Should we covet our neighbor's possession? No. Should we bear false witness? No. All of those things have bearing in the New Testament, and yes, I think we ought to follow those. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm saying the laws of God, in their broadest... He, he, in fact, he, go, he sums it up even further. He says all the law, New Testament, Old Testament, all the law is fulfilled in this, that you love one another. Right. Um, I, I think if we love God and love our neighbor... That's the direction we yeah. need to be headed. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are some things that need to be highlighted. Right. But, uh, but if, if we live a life of love, if we allow God's love to throw, flow 
through us, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we're in good standing yeah. rather than trying to memorize 300. I mean, they, they got ridiculous about it, to yeah. be honest. Not only that, they began to add more and more and more yes. as you got into the Mishnah and the yes. Talmud and all, yada, yada. yada. Right. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the, law, the law is not in, does not infringe on our salvation. Right. Our salvation comes by faith in Christ alone, soli fide, uh, faith alone. And yet God takes us and infuses us with his Holy Spirit and, and writes his law on our hearts so that we begin to do what, what his word, what his kingdom right. would dictate. If I'm not mistaken, I can't remember which book specifically, the New Testament repeats nine of the Ten Commandments. Um, I can't remember which epistle it was in, but repeats oh, them okay. almost verbatim, but doesn't talk about the Sabbath at all. Like, hey, you just had to mention one more. You've got to have all the Ten Commandments in there. Just repeated nine of them. And my understanding of that would be, well, he repeated the moral right. ones. Right, okay, right. Um, because the Old Testament defines the Sabbath. I did a whole, an episode on the Sabbath. Oh, really? So okay. I'll, I'll, put a, I'll put a link right above one of our heads okay. so you can watch that right now, Sabbath. Um, and is um, the Sabbath was a sign of the covenant. Right, yes. It, was, it had to do with the agreement between God and Israel. It's defined that way multiple times, that it wasn't a moral mankind issue. It was a, an agreement. So that's like, so you, when you have that in the Ten Commandments, of Good. course they're commanded to do it because that's part of their relationship. So when we see all these ordinances, many of them are in regards because of their relationship, like all the purification laws and all this, it has to do with God's relationship with Israel and, okay. and, and all that. That'd be my understanding with okay. that. Versus ones that are explaining and breaking down specific moral issues. Like you have a whole chapter in the law defining what adultery is. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so obviously this is a moral issue or breaking down this. But then you'll have another chapter where it's like don't wear mixed clothing and it's talking about a different issue. It's talking about that relationship aspect. So in the same way we don't keep the Sabbath. That being said, in a sense we do. Mm-hmm. In, in, if In Hebrews, that... You know, you'd talk about how Jesus is our rest. He's our mm-hmm. our final Sabbath. We we, we yeah. rest in Him, and so we have. So in that sense, we can keep that part of the Ten Commandments because right. we're resting yeah. in Him. Once again, so I'm not trying to be like weird, right, right. like I'm going to make this mean yeah. this because because and we'll get into this too. in this next question is because the people in the Old Testament, they're real people. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not just a big allegory, right? So like these are real people, real situations, um, and they really wanted them. God really wanted them to keep the Sabbath, but there's reasons why, and, and those are explained. So I think most of the times context explains That's what you're looking like in, regard, in regards to, you know, 600 plus ordinances that they went to add on. Yeah. Because, once again, most of it has to do with, we're talking in government. You're talking, and we do this too. Like, we know, even in our culture, we're supposed to love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. So we have all these laws on how you do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what many of the ordinances are in regards to God. Yeah. They're either about how to worship God mm-hmm. or they're about how to treat our neighbor. Now, our worship for God has changed 
because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We're under a new covenant. We, and so much of that, like, it's just like, okay, well, those, those ordinances about, you know, how we have to go to the temple and all this, like, well, that's, we can't be clean enough. Jesus is that. So, like, we can kind of put those over there because those seem to be abolished because of what Jesus has done mm -hmm. versus other ones that have to do with, you know. And I think this will go into our next question. I don't want to ramble on, but, like, you know, when, when something's considered a murder, when it's not, like, if you kill someone in your house at nighttime, then it's okay because they broke into your house at night. But if you kill them during the day, you might get tried for murder. It's like, so you have like those, like those aren't, those are how they're functioning as a society. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what that is in ordinances is. And I, but I think if you read it in context, I think it's usually clear. It's not always, but I think it's usually clear. Anything else want to add to that? No, oh, okay. no. Um, all right, here's a fun one. Um, so when we're reading or teaching from the Old Testament, um, how do we apply it to our lives in a practical way? And I think we've kind of answered this somewhat. Um, I've heard people, and this is why I bring it up, I've heard people try to correlate Israel and the New Testament church. I've heard them, can, you know, here's Israel, and it's just like the individual believer in the New Testament. Uh, I've heard people make the Old Testament a big allegory for the Christian life, you know, like... Um, uh, the, the promised land is the victorious Christian life, you know, and, and Egypt is the world in sin, and, the, and we don't want to go there. Um, or trying to equate the prophets of the Old Testament to pastors in the New Testament, you know. It says this about prophets, and that's true for pastors. Um, now, I would tend to think that uh, that's a dangerous thing to do, because uh, the Old Testament isn't just a big allegory. It's not just, I'm going to pick and choose what I want these things to mean. These are real people. These things mean real things. Uh, this is a real time. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of my take on that. But how do we apply that practically and not just allegorically? Or can we do that? And, and when or should we not do that? We're, we're <laughs> on the edge here of um, one of the major, major controversies that divides Christian, well-meaning believers in Christ um, and, and, the, and the word that they use to describe it on the theological frame would be dispensational versus covenant. Right. And, and there are well-meaning, brilliant people on both sides. Uh, so what I say will be my side of the argument. Um, not, you know, you, you don't have to agree with me. If, if you don't agree with me, you don't lose your salvation. <laughs> um, but my my uh, my take on it is, mm -hmm. I'm I'm a historical grammatical, um, in in my hermeneutics, how do you study the Bible? How I am a grammatical historical interpreter of Scripture, meaning, real people spoke to real people with real problems. And they bring God's point of view to address those issues. Now, we don't necessarily wrestle with the same exact issue that was being dealt with then. But there are principles of how God deals with those issues mm -hmm. that can apply to who we are, that do apply. And I think it's, it, it's, our, it's incumbent upon us to understand the culture of the people being addressed mm -hmm. and the nature of the person addressing them mm -hmm. and the realization that the God behind all of it is still working and functioning today. 
But we need to find out what the, that author was trying to c communicate to these people and who is God and how does he address those needs. That's a long way of saying no, I think yeah. all of it's applicable mm -hmm. when applied to our lives. Um, there's a lot of things that are happening nowadays that they didn't have back in those days. So are we just carte blanche? We can just go and do what we want to in those issues. Uh, um, cyber, they didn't have cyber things. Right. So are we free to do whatever we want when it comes <laughs> to cyber? Um, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Right. But I, 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 I my, my belief is God developed the Jews, made his own people, his own possession, loved them, cared for them, gave everything to them, and they would fall on the ground over and over and over again, and he kept picking them up and carrying them along and fall on the ground. And, and it wasn't until Christ came where the solution for all time came. The whole, the whole idea behind uh, the Old Testament and and its requirements, we need to understand that we're talking about two different groups of people, yeah. in my opinion. Yes. I believe that the ones, the, 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 the people that are on the other side of the aisle that I love dearly, believe that they've all kind of meshed together into to one group. I don't. I think God has a plan for the Jewish people that Revelations extends out mm -hmm. uh, and that there is a church that will be raptured before he deals with with a and, and I see this is where this is where they see me having a difficult time. Mm. They I see two raptures. Mm. Uh, I see the the church going uh, during the seventh seven seven uh, years of tribulation, and then God comes back and then brings the Jews with them. But I I, I it's a it's a um, I see it as two different people, and it's and it's we we haven't been promised. The church has not received the promises of Abraham, in my opinion. We have a king. Okay, spiritually speaking, we have a king. We don't have the promise of an earthly king mm -hmm. like Israel did. Uh, we have not been given a possession like Israel to the Jews. Uh, that doesn't, you know, the church doesn't own Israel. Uh, the church, the, the church is a, a spiritual thing. The time is coming when those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I think we're in that period of time where it's more of a spiritual understanding. And the church, the, the Jews, the, the Gentile, from the Jews and the Gentiles, God called out, ecclesia, called out his church. Um, I think I just see them as two distinct things in Scripture. That's, right. again, I understand that this is a highly and divisive in some ways. Absol no, absolutely. Um, a doctrine, but I, I am more of what we call a dispensational. I believe that God dealt with us according to different, different dispensations. And, uh, but I, I, I love my covenant brothers. Mm -hmm. And I think the world of them, and I hope they are incredibly successful. I anticipate that we are going to, when we get to heaven for the first time, 
in our lives, we will understand mm-hmm. what is that's all about. Until now, we walk in the light that we have, right? And um, so that's no, that's really good. I, I, there's, I think there's, like you said, there's a lot of division in regards to like the very fine-tuned technical. How's that work? You know, and the, and the difference between the body of Christ and and Israel and the promises he has for them versus the promises to the spiritual aspect of the body of Christ. Um, and, but yeah, I know there's like, and there's probably a gazillion different thoughts on how, how that works. Absolutely. Um, and that's okay. And I, um, I guess the danger would be is if, if, you know, maybe not, I guess this would be another, another group more than covenant side of thinking that Israel equals the New Testament church. And I guess that's probably would be the other, the other side of that yeah. the position that this one and the same. I think, well, I think what the, the harmful thing is, is understand, not understanding that we don't understand Yeah, <laughs> and being lenient yeah. with those who don't hold our particular view. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we are, we are the body of Christ regardless of our views on a number of different issues. Yeah. And, and we need to recognize that God is working yeah. in his church, regardless of the yeah. name on the door. And, uh, and we just, we need to be patient. We need to be loving. We need to be gracious. Yes. Uh, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to take over our relationships yeah. with one another. Well, I really appreciate how you address that and how you position yourself with that and how you talk about it. Because I actually had a conversation with someone, I think it was... Um, last week's episode of this show with Joel's brother, Jared Kobernat from Simple Culture. And he, he was saying that sometimes pastors, teachers, theologians, whatever, they shout where the Bible is quiet and they're silent or quiet on the things that are loud and prevalent in scripture. Like, you know, highlight, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on these things that I can't quite figure out, but we have an implication. So we're going to you know, nail this, but not talk about the doctrine that's clear and overwhelmingly clear in Scripture mm. and the danger of that, yeah, yeah. of, you know. And so I think it's important that we are, have the ability to step back and say, I could be wrong about this, yeah. but it seems to it's me important. that Scripture teaches this. Right. And that's what I would tell people, that it seems to me that it teaches this, but I could be wrong. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the proof in the pudding will be how we respond to people when we recognize our differences. Right. Uh, I remember one time I was preaching on uh, uh, on end times, and I was talking about uh, the pre-trib rapture. And mm-hmm. and after the service, one guy who was kind of new to the church just came up to to let me know that I was wrong. <laughs> and I, all I could do was say, "Well, that okay." You know, I tell, I tell you when I, when I come up to people that are really, I'll tell you my my eschatological point of view is this: I am praying for pre and preparing for post. <laughs> I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I want to be a comedy. I want I want to be firm where the Bible is firm. Yes. And I want to be loving and accepting where we have fuzzy lines. Yeah. And uh, in my opinion, that's one of the fuzzy lines. While I see it as rather firmer than others, they don't. Okay, fine. It's not a salvation issue. Uh, So let's let's embrace. Let's let's move forward with 
the name of Christ. And yes, the, sir. You know, I also think that God really wants us to live in the tension between two polar opposites hmm. to kind of realize we don't have the final say mm -hmm. and it will be such a wonderful surprise when we get to heaven yeah and he says well okay you got this wrong this wrong but these are right yeah. so let me ask you this this is a fun one um, once again, can we look at the Old Testament, specifically at the theocracy, the role of God, you know, leading the nation of Israel? Mm -hmm. Obviously, that took kind of different forms in regards to prophets and judges and kings and, and regards to that, but it was still a theocracy even throughout those different transitions of, of, of how that looked from on a human level. Um, can we look at the theocracy in, in Israel and from there, go to those passages and tell modern, secular nations how they should do things. Because this is how God did it with Israel, so that's how you should do it. <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I brought my coffee, coffee cup. And, 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 and I really love this coffee cup because it has on it's it's got the American flag on it. And it has... 2 Chronicles 7.14 written on it. Mm -hmm. And it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now, is that for America? Uh, that's the question you're asking. Right. And my feeling is the principle is absolutely for America. The specific was Jeremiah talking to Israel, mm -hmm. uh, but that principle is the same. In fact, you find that all the way through Psalm. Uh, blessed is the nation, and he's not talking about a nation or Israel. He's saying a nation, mm -hmm. any nation, uh, who will, whose God is, uh, you know, whose whose God is, and I can't remember how it's stated, but the Psalms are very specific. It's it's a general concept. It's nomic arist. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's true all the time, mm -hmm. no matter who the fill in the blank nation is, mm -hmm. if they will follow God's plan. Mm -hmm. uh, if we are really serious, you know what's interesting about that that passage. Then it's if my people, and if we see that as a principle for today, mm -hmm. then my people would be his church. Mm -hmm. And it becomes incumbent upon us to be the one, ones who humble ourselves and call on God's. Yeah. If, if we want to heal this land, and oh my goodness, I want our land healed. We mm -hmm. are in so difficult shape right now, spiritually, um, emotionally. Uh, it's We're such a divided nation. Mm -hmm. And if we want that land, if we want our land to be healed, the avenue through which that will take place is going to be by bending our knee to the one who created this land hmm. um, and and asking him turning from our wicked ways and doing what he has in, in described I, I think the so my answer is i think the old testament talking about nations following god talking about israel following god is has been 
exegeted in the text itself mm -hmm. as applying to any nation who wants to move forward yeah. to be healed, to fall into the same same yeah. practices. I want to ask like a sub question under that because okay. because it made me think of this, and I probably okay. already know the answer uh, based on some of the things that we've already said, but. Um, because I think I would probably also hold to this. Like, obviously, we have the spiritual aspect of God and the church and, and, and redemption in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that, um, and I'm, that in regards to how God works in nations is a different aspect of that, of how God works on, with nations versus the church versus people? Like, is there accountability to nations that is separate from the accountability of the church? Maybe that's a good way to ask that. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And again, I, I, I want to preface everything I say. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't have, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I, but my gut feeling is that it's a national issue. If the yeah. nation itself, yeah. if the leaders of that nation, well, we see that when the king of Israel follows God and mm -hmm. does things, nation, the right. Israel prospers. I think if our leaders knew Christ and chose to be obedient to his leading, mm -hmm. it would radically change things in, yeah. in our world, yeah. in our nation and, and around the world. Yeah. So I think it applies. Yeah, they're really good. And I think in, in the Old Testament, you, it, that's, and this is a key part to that being a principle that I would lean towards believing and mm -hmm. thinking because God has that accountability and to all nations, not just Israel. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I'm, I'm in Ezekiel right now. Okay. Get and bones. even though God used uh -huh. other nations to bring judgment on Israel, what does God go on to do? He goes on to warn all those nations, hey, judgment's coming to you because you yeah. touched my people. Right. And so, well, who's responsible for that? The leaders, uh -huh. the leaders of those nations uh -huh. were accountable to God, right. even though they weren't in the nation of Israel. Even though they weren't his chosen people, even though they're a pagan nation, didn't matter. And this goes into a broader theology of like, because people want religion to stay there and Christianity to stay here. Like you don't understand, like, this is the God of the universe, not just the God of the Christians, mm -hmm. not just the God of Israel. This is the God of the universe, and we're all accountable to him. And so Good I think point. we can definitely dogmatically say that the God is sovereign over the nations, he's sovereign over the world. He's the authority. We're yeah. all accountable to him. And so if that's the case, I would say leadership nations would fall into that same category of that Absolutely. accountability. Once again, that's, that's the theme through Ezekiel. Like Egypt, I'm coming for you. And Babylon, I'm coming right. for you. And, right. You know, because you touched my people. Right. And so there's, that, uh, there's a moral accountability. Of course, Israel, God using them to show his judgment sure. on nations of like child, children sacrifice and mm -hmm. all these things. And, and so I think that's... I, I, in other words, yeah, I, I think we're on the same page with that, of that, of that yeah. accountability. And it's something I don't necessarily get a hard stance on, but I think is a biblical principle yeah. in regards to the accountability. But back to the point is mm -hmm. this. The remedy, the, often we talk about the recipe for this verse mm -hmm. of, 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 for, our, for our, any nation. Mm -hmm. we, it's, it's, a, it's 2020. It's been a very divisive year. Oh. Um, the most divisive year of my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I've heard many people say, you know, older than me, of their lifetime and so on and so forth. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. If, yeah, we were to I, if I were to break it down and actually try and really study that out, I don't know. Yeah. 
So it's it's the worst in my lifetime, and that's yeah. three times yours. Yeah. <laughs> so so that being said, is we we want to do a lot of finger pointing right now, and I understand that we want to point at the leaders of the nation. We talked about that accountability. We want to point at a party. Mm-hmm. We want to point at um, the people on the streets. We want to point at different organizations. We want to point at whatever, right? And I'm not even going to take the time to break all that down. But we want to, and once again, I think we should call out things that are wrong. We stand for morality. But if this principle is true, then the answer is for God's people to repent of their sins. Mm -hmm. Then that means blaming and pointing at everybody else isn't what God is calling the church to do. It's actually calling them to repent and acknowledge that they're also sinners. Yeah. They've also, you know, and so that, that's so I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is timely for us uh, in regards to an election season and with the division of 2020. Like, mm-hmm. um, and it, I know it's complicated. It's hard even for believers to try and maneuver this because it seems like you can't even like talk about something even in a nice, generous way without, you know, ah, you know, you can't take that position or this position or say anything. Right. right. Well, that's okay. Um, maybe we just need to learn to get back on our knees. Maybe we need to learn how to mm. rest in Christ again and 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 strive for Him Absolutely. and um, and seek for righteousness in Him and versus waiting for other people to yeah. do it. I think it's it's human nature to want to place the blame yeah. when things aren't going right. Well, it must be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, players are not playing well for a long time. Baseball wasn't happening, yeah. and I was it. it a big debate was it the owners, was it the players, right. and we you know, <laughs> blame, and they kept blaming each other, yeah. and uh, that's the nature, human nature. Yeah, just to let you know where my head is, it's more on baseball than. <laughs> than <we're> <laughs> but I, I think you're right. I I, I do that. Yeah. Something's not working. Something's not happening right at home. Well, it must be my wife's fault. Yeah. And then I realized that my wife doesn't have faults, and you know, like, <laughs> what am I gonna do now? Uh, but I just, I, you're right. I, and I want, and I do. I want to find, I want to find who's at fault. And I think that's really, really wrong. Yeah. What we need to do, we need to just don't focus on what's going on, yeah. other than. Our relationship with God, yeah. humble ourselves before God, turn from our wicked ways, seek His face. Mm-hmm. You know, you can put those things together. And, and if the church itself, per person, were to absolutely commit to that, mm-hmm. I think we would see huge yeah. wholesale changes yeah. going on in our country. Amen. No, that's good. Like that's the theme in Jeremiah, Malachi. What do we do? Yeah. What do we do wrong? <laughs> yeah, we right. do nothing. I'm just, <laughs> just, just getting ready. I've just I've chosen to make a special study of Jeremiah, yeah. and uh, so I'm doing a lot it's of the background cool. now. What 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 was the political geopolitical yeah. situation at the time? What were the nations doing? Yeah. And and oh my it, goodness, it's pretty ugly. Oh really, really yeah. ugly. Um, well. We, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask you probably last question here, and we may have already covered this, but um, what would you say is the greatest misconception of the Old Testament if we haven't already covered it? 
the, well, it's not relevant for today. Yeah. Uh, and it's too hard to read. Yeah. Uh, and I think, first off, I think the relevant issue is irrelevant. I think it is foundational to everything that we believe as New Testament Christians. Um, as far as it being hard, yeah, um, it is. It's really hard. I remember a story of a, an old farmer who, um, a, a pastor, and, a, and was in a, sitting in a, in a coffee shop having a cup of coffee and his Bible on the table, and an old farmer comes in and he goes, oh, man. You, what are you reading that? You, that, that? you can't really trust that Bible. You look at all the problems in there. There's so many issues you can't read. And the past, and, and then he and he said, uh, "What do you do with all those passages that uh, you just uh, don't get?" And uh, he said, "It's sort of like eating fish. You 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 get the meat and you enjoy the meat and you put the bones on the side." And then I let whoever wants to choke on the bones. Um, I my my feeling is there's a lot there's a lot I don't understand, but there's way way there's so much I do understand yeah. that I'm not applying. Yeah. That I really need to just eat the, enjoy yeah. the fish that I've got. Yeah. And and leave the bones, and uh, let people argue over those things. Yeah. But that's good. Anyway, awesome. Well, thanks so much for your for your time. I oh, really do appreciate goodness. it. Um, I hope everyone has uh, enjoyed the conversation today. And uh, of course, don't miss out Monday morning. Have another episode of the Biblicist podcast, and then a week from today, we'll have the next episode of Live the Bible. Don't miss out on that. Hope you guys have a wonderful day.